This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Kay from Unleashed. And today I have a wonderful guest, Rosemary Mosco. And there's so many things about her. Science communicator, cartoonist, and the co-author at the Atlas Obscura, Explorer for the world's most adventurous kid. Hi, Rosemary. How are you? Hi, it's great to talk to you. So, you know, you have so many accolades next to you. Why don't you give us just a brief summary of who you are because there are many things. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I um I do a whole bunch of different stuff, maybe too many different things. I think I need a vacation, but I um I'm a science writer um and so I make a bunch of different books about birds and and other critters and I also make cartoons about birds and other critters at birdandmoon.com and I talk at a lot of bird festivals. I'm kind of 50% bird at this point. And do you have pets? I do. I have two parrots, two green cheek conures. They are currently at a friend's house so that they won't be a little too loud while we're chatting because they like to get involved. Yeah. So they talk and everything because birds, they really parrots are something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're so smart. And today you're going to talk about the pocket guide to pigeons and you're going to tell us everything about them. They really are fascinating after reading up on them. So what got me was the three islands. Yeah, yeah. So um, so my book is called A Pocket Guide to Pigeon Watching, Getting to Know the World's Most Misunderstood Bird, which I know is a, a bit of a mouthful. I had to practice that a few times to make sure I could say it in one go. But I really want to highlight how weirdly cool pigeons are. They're a bird that we all tend to overlook. A lot of us find kind of boring. But yeah, they have all of these really interesting anatomical features. And one of them is that they have three eyelids per eye, which actually a lot of critters do. Your pet dog will have that too. But sadly, humans don't. And it's this really useful extra eyelid that protects the eye, helps keep it clean, and they can still see a little bit through that eyelid. So I kind of wish that I still had one. I I think they'd be pretty useful. Oh, yeah. I wish I had them because my eyes are bad, and especially with the wind and debris. And, you know, that would be very, very helpful. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now they're moving to the suburbs. You know that, right? Yeah, well, so that they really just like to be around around people. They aren't found in the deep woods, but they're kind of found found wherever people are found. And that's because they're domesticated animals, just like a dog or a cat or, you know, a, a rabbit or a horse. Pigeons were domesticated and they just really want to be where we are. Now, a friend of mine who lives in a neighborhood has them on their roof. Obviously, somebody, maybe a neighbor is feeding them. So I was over there last week and I saw them fly in, land, and they looked like they were eating something. And I walked to observe them because I knew I was doing the show and they scattered. So the ones in the suburbs aren't that trusting because, you know, when you walk down New York City, they just move. You know, they don't really flutter away. But 
I think, out here. And there's also cats. Yeah. They are prey to other animals. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they're prey to some mammals. For the most part, their biggest predators are are some really cool raptors, birds like um, the red-tailed hawk or the the peregrine falcon. And, you know, I bet those suburban birds that you're seeing have sort of learned not to trust people as much. I bet the ones downtown people are, you know, feeding a lot more often and the birds are really getting more used to people there. Now, are they related to the morning dove? That's a good question. They are in that they're in the same bird family, the family Columbidae, which comes from the Latin word for pigeon or dove. So within that family, there's a whole bunch of different really cool species. And we've kind of applied the words pigeon and dove randomly. So pigeons and doves are the same thing, basically. And the morning dove is just another pigeon species, but that's one that's actually native to North America, whereas the city pigeon that was brought here from elsewhere. I love their sounds, but with pigeons, they just coo. Now, I looked up that they have all these different bones in their neck. Yeah, pigeons have twice as many bones in their neck as we do. And that sort of leads to why they seem to be bobbing their heads when they walk. You know, when you see a pigeon, you sort of can be forgiven for thinking what's going on is they're they're booping their head back and forth, but it's sort of an illusion. What they're doing is, you know, when we walk, we keep our eyes a few steps ahead to make sure we don't step on anything. But for pigeons with their 14 neck bones, it's easier for them to stretch their head out look around really quick and then bring their body up to meet their head. So that's really what they're doing is they're sticking their head out and their body's coming up to meet them. It's just amazing. Now, these are the same pigeons that are in coops, which probably is where we got the expression cooped up because there's so many of them. Now, what would you call a group of them? Because I found so many different words, bands, a flock, which we all know, a loft, a pascal a plague, and a school, all in regard to a group of them. So what is the correct term? I would just say flock. Um, But I think that, you know, all those words are really cool. And you can you can really pick whichever one you would you would want. I would say flock, though. And pigeon flocks are pretty loose. I mean, feral pigeons will um, hang out with, you know, one group of birds to sleep, and then maybe they'll hang out with another one to go and eat. So they're not like really super tightly bound to their particular flock. Now, let's talk about the mating. They mate for life. Is that so? Yeah, they're huge romantics. A lot of people don't realize that as pigeons pair off into these little pairs that that will mate for as long as one member of the pair is alive. And they keep their romance alive with a lot of dancing and cooing and, and they even kiss. They kind of lock their beaks together. So yeah, they're secretly super, super romantic birds. That's amazing. Now, I read somewhere, I don't know if it's pigeons, but I was reading up on birds. They don't sleep in the nest. Yeah, they don't. It's so funny. I feel like cartoons really lied to me because as a kid, I really thought that a nest was a bird's house and a bird would kind of cuddle up into its nest to sleep. You know, I remember all these cartoons where the sun's setting, the birds are cuddling into their nests, but they really don't. Birds really only hang out in their nests when, you know, they're laying eggs pigeon pairs will divide up who sits on the the nest at what time. So overnight, the female bird will be sitting on the nest warming the eggs and the male bird kind of has to find his own flat spot to sleep on. So they're really in, you know, in the bushes, maybe. 
but that's yeah. not really even safe either. Yeah, but they, so they really like flat spaces and they like hanging out in on ledges in buildings. So they'll often sleep on a roof or, you know, on a balcony or some kind of overhang. They find that really comfortable. Now, I watched um, a video of birds making a nest, and it's really very interesting. The female flies in, she looks it all over, hits her beak on whatever it is, and then they start to form the nest. So pigeons, when they lay eggs, two eggs, four eggs, six eggs? Yeah, two eggs at, at a time. There's actually an expression, um, pigeon pair, which refers to like a set of twins, um, human twins. But that's because pigeons lay two eggs, two eggs at once and try to raise two babies at a time. And they stay with them for how long? Um, not that long, just just really a few weeks. It's incredibly fast. And then once the babies have left the nest, which kind of differs depending on how cold it is outside, like if it's chilly, they, they'll stick around in the nest for a while. But after that, they'll sometimes follow their parents around for a little bit and, and say, you know, oh, please continue to feed me. But it's really not very long. Their childhoods are pretty short, just a matter of weeks. Because I remember um, I had morning doves that made a nest in one of my flower pots. And they did come back, not the next year, but I think the following year. And it was amazing. They let me get up close and personal. I didn't touch them, but I watched them. And it was amazing how they taught them to fly. And then they just all left. It was just amazing. But now you're in New York. So in the winter... What happens to them? They don't go anywhere, right? They stay. Yeah, they don't migrate. Um, that's one of the reasons why we domesticated them was we, you know, people weren't really worried about them flying really, really far away. So the passenger pigeon, which is a bird that's native to North America, unlike our our city pigeons, that was a bird that migrated all over the place. So, you know, you'd have to wait for them to come back or you'd have to follow them. But city pigeons, they'll just stick around and, you know, they use all sorts of different ways to keep warm. They'll sort of fluff up their feathers. Some of them will even nest during the winter. Um, not most of them, but some of them will will raise babies. And it all depends on, you know, which warm spots they're able to find in the city. There's lots of little warm cavities in buildings that'll keep them pretty toasty on the coldest days. Now, when you say they mate for life, so if something happens to a mate, do they find another one? They do. They don't just, you know, sit there pining, but they will find another bird and form another pair bond, which is partly why there's so many pigeons. There's plenty of them. Now, they were messengers during the war, correct? Yeah, that's one of the incredible uses of pigeons. If you carry them far away from their, their nest and release them, they'll find their way home really, really fast, really efficiently. So if you then carry a pigeon far from its nest and you tie a little note to its leg, it will fly back home. So they were really used as an early internet or an early radio. People would carry pigeons into battle. And then if they got in trouble, they would tie a desperate note to a pigeon's leg and release it to fly back to base. So there are a number of pigeons, especially in World War I and World War II, that wound up saving the lives of dozens, maybe hundreds of soldiers and actually winning cute little pigeon medals. Right. Shara me, I think it I think her, I don't know if it was a male or female, but I think somebody got an award from France. Yeah, yeah. Shara me, which is French for dear friend. And it's actually funny because when I was learning about Shara me, I found 
two different official accounts, one from the US military that said she was a female and one from the Smithsonian that said he was a male. So I called up the Smithsonian and they said, oh, we're pretty sure she's a female, but we're waiting for DNA tests to come back. And after the book came out, they found out he is a boy. So early editions of my book have her as a female, like the Smithsonian said, and then the next edition will change the, the Cherami gender. So it's been controversial. And now their poop is different than other birds, correct? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely less liquidy. It's kind of like a little, a little round blob, but it's really just been really, really useful to humans over time. One of the reasons why people domesticated pigeons is if you raise a, a huge ton of them in, you know, one sort of big building, you can collect all that poop. And then you can use it to fertilize your fields. So not only could you eat the pigeons, but you could use their poop to graze vegetables and fruits and all kinds of other sources of nutrition. So it was really considered pretty important until we came up with industrial fertilizer that sort of replaced. We were better off with the pigeons. I think so. Yeah. Bring back bags of pigeon fertilizer. Right. That's a good reason to keep them around. So they were useful for food. Actually, they really are very useful. I think they're very adaptable and smart from what I've read. Yeah, they're surprisingly smart. They're not as smart as, you know, some of the parrots or some of the ravens, which are really, really incredibly intelligent. But I was shocked by some of the things that people have trained pigeons to do. We've trained them to play ping pong. We've trained them to distinguish impressionist paintings from cubist paintings. They have been trained to identify cancerous tissue versus non-cancerous tissue in microscope slides. There are all sorts of just wild studies where we've just, you know, elucidated how amazing these little, little smart birds really are. How could they do that? You know, I don't know. They just have really acute senses. Their, their vision is incredibly good. They can see colors that we can't see, which is really, really amazing. They're very visual birds and they, you know, they need to, to have the understanding to be able to fly home from wherever you stick them. And so that comes with all kinds of skills. I mean, if you put me in the middle of the woods and you took away my phone and you said, okay, find your way home. I would not find my way home. <laughs> right, <laughs> I would right, be in trouble. Right, right. So yeah, they've got some skills. It's amazing. Now, the pigeons, are they all look alike? What we see, you know, where I am and what you have in New York, they're basically all the same. They have a little white on them. They're actually really, really different. There are some colors that you see a lot more often. So the wild ancestors of the city pigeons, they were the sort of blue-gray bird with these two dark stripes on the wing. But what you need to think about when you look at a flock of feral pigeons is think about like a, a pack of stray dogs or a bunch of feral kittens. These are um, critters that are descended from a whole bunch of different fancy breeds. So they're just really beautiful mutts. And that's really what's going on with feral pigeons is they're descended from all kinds of fancy breeds. So depending on where you are in the world, you could see white ones or, or you know, red ones, shiny ones, ones with little crests or feathery feet. They're really beautiful to look at, I think. And some of them have become extinct because there's a lot of different types all through the world. In any city you go in, there's going to be pigeons because I guess because of food, grain or, you know, like out here in suburbia, who knows what they're eating. 
Yeah, they they do eat a lot of they've got pretty flexible diets. So they'll eat a lot of trash, which I think is partly why people think they're sort of gross. But you know, that's just because they're hungry. They are actually pretty picky. So they prefer eating grains, they love legumes, they love, you know, peas and lentils and that kind of stuff. So they definitely have their preferences. And there's things that they would prefer to be eating other than, you know, a hot dog bun or something. Uh, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Tell us your other book, because I didn't say it right. You know what? It took me like weeks to learn how to say <laughs> So I have a few different books, but I have, um, I co-wrote one called The Atlas Obscura Explorer's Guide for the World's Most Adventurous Kid. And really I had to practice it. It's a long, it's just a long, long title. I guess I really like books with long titles. I mean, this one's a pocket guide to pigeon watching, getting to know the world's most misunderstood bird. <laughs> it really is a misunderstood bird because it's a nuisance. People look at it as a nuisance, the droppings and things like that. But after, you know, doing the research and, and reading about them, they're just really amazing creatures. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Rosemary. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Everybody, we have Rosemary Mosco here, and she wrote a book about pigeons, and it's really very fascinating. I want to ask you, how did they find out that in their neck they have 14 bones? Is this from taxidermy? Yeah, I think that had to do with, you know, people used to eat these birds as a big source of food and, and they still do in some parts of the world and also taxidermy and stuff too. I mean, Charles Darwin was really into pigeons. We all tend to think of him as the guy who's into the Galapagos finches, but he had a whole bunch of pigeons in his backyard that he studied and he loved those birds. And he would also examine their skeletons really carefully to, to study them and find out, you know, which breeds they came from and are all the breeds from the same species. Yeah. He talks with glee about looking at their skeletons. So are you the only person who's written a book on these pigeons? There are several really good books about pigeons that I found that I really, really like. There isn't one that's a field guide like mine. So that's why I was sort of hoping to occupy this, this particular niche. So I read a bunch of different books and kind of combined that with some modern research. But there are some really beautiful other books. There's one called Feral Pigeons by Johnson and Daniga. That's, that's one of the classic books about pigeons. So there are definitely a few, and I encourage you to go seek all those out. I think it's really interesting because if somebody, you know, reads this book, then they could just, you know, start looking around and it really doesn't cost anything to watch them. 
Yeah, it's free. Now I'm watching them because when I went by my friend's house, I really took an interest. I mean, I like animals no matter what they are, but I really did take an interest in as soon as I walked near them, they split off. Some went on the roof on one house and some went on the roof on another house. And they watched me. So, you know, I'm glad you're watching them. That makes me really happy. Yeah. So if you know, for everybody listening, this is you could flock to a bench (laughs) and, and watch them because they really are very fascinating. I also read that their poop they use to soften leather. Yeah. If if you go to Morocco, there are some places where you can still see pigeon poop being used to to work leather. Um, and it's also, this is wild, contains this stuff called saltpeter, which is one of the key ingredients in gunpowder. So I like to think that, you know, pigeon poop has turned the tides of war in the past uh, as well through that little addition. I don't know how they find out these things. <laughs> I, I don't I don't really know who first thought, you know, what we need to do is poke around in pigeon poop. See, see what's in there. Maybe they they threw it at somebody and they ducked and they said, good idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. That's wild. All right. It's been very, very interesting. So now it's the pocket guide to pigeon watching and the most yeah. misunderstood bird. Yeah. And it's yeah. out now. So it's something that you could take with you to drive in a car whenever you go hiking. So we wouldn't see them in, in the woods or a forest. Or yeah. Out. Good question. Yeah. You know, they really seem like they're everywhere. But one of the reasons they seem like they're everywhere is because, you know, like a domestic cat or a domestic dog, they really like being around people. So you won't find them deep in the woods. You know, if you're hiking in the redwoods or something, you're not going to come across a, you know, a a flock of pigeons, but they're really pretty ubiquitous. You'll find them in the cities. You'll find them, you know, as you found them in some suburbs, they like to hang out in farmland where there's grains for them to eat. Um, I see them under bridges all the time. You know, you're driving under a bridge. They like to nest on flat ledges. And that's kind of what we've created with bridges. And hidden. They like to be hidden also. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people have asked me, where are the baby pigeons? Because, you know, they're looking for pigeon nests and they don't see them. And that's because pigeons, you know, in the wild used to nest in little holes in cliff sides. And now they like to nest in little holes in our buildings. So their babies are really hidden away until they're they're pretty grown up. So could they they could be trained then? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You can train pigeons to do a, a wild, you know, number of things, you know, little tricks or playing ping pong, all kinds of, of really fast. Yeah. They're not holding a paddle, are they? I know. I, I I think I've seen video of it and I think they're just pecking a little ping pong ball back and forth, which is also very cute. Now, what do they feed their babies? They feed their babies milk, just like we do. So male and female pigeons are able to make milk. They don't have udders. They make their milk in their throat. They kind of secrete it into their throat and they independently involved making, evolved making milk, you know, independently of mammals, but it's weird because there's some real similarities. So it's stimulated by this hormone called prolactin, which, you know, if, if you're someone who makes breast milk, you'll recognize that name. And it's the, the milk has, um, fats, proteins. It's good for the immune system. It's, it's amazing stuff. And both males and females will make it and they'll kind of puke it into their baby baby's mouths. 
Right, because normally other birds puke up, you know, it's really puke. Yes, seeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, they're making milk. It's incredible. I hear it's kind of, um, it's a little cheesy and chunky. So I don't think it's delicious to humans. But somebody but, tried it. Oh, God, I hope not. I haven't run across anyone who's actually tried it. Well, you said cheesy, so they must know. Yeah, they've looked at it. I feel like people have looked at it and said, huh, that doesn't look very delicious. <laughs> so now, um, when you say flock, that's the flock that's on the roof or on the ground, because I know some birds, they have different names for when they fly, when there's a Oh, yeah. I think, it's, I think with pigeons, it's flock. It's just sort of flock, um, depending, on, depending on where they are. I mean, so because pigeons were domesticated for so many thousands of years, people who keep purebred pigeons, they have all their own fancy terms for everything. But I was really focusing in this book on just the feral ones because there's such a long history with the purebred ones. It's so complicated. And I, I just would not be able to find out enough. You know, I, it would take a whole lifetime to be able to fully understand those, those purebred ones. It'd be like me walking into a dog show and going, oh, yeah, you know, I know what all of this is. So, so I focused on just the wild ones. I mean, birds are, you know, quite popular now. I mean, with the Internet and Facebook and, and Instagram, I have many, many friends. All they do, and that's all they do, is take pictures of birds. And I don't know how you keep up with what they're called. They're just unbelievable. They're smart, too. Yeah. Oh, you mean the bird watchers or the birds? The birds. <laughs> the birds. I don't really think that we realized how smart animals are. We're realizing now with our you know, dogs and cats that they're family and they could do so much more than sit by the fireplace and, you know, cuddle with us. They are really very bright. I don't know how it, I think it's always been that way, you know, since they've been domesticated, but I think we're discovering even with birds. Yeah. More and more people have pigeons as pets these days. And I think it's, it's really beautiful. You know, you can give them these little pigeon pants to keep them from pooping in your house, which are, are really kind of cute little pigeon diapers that come in all kinds of fancy patterns. And, and I've seen, you know, I follow a bunch of people on Instagram who have pet pigeons and they just have the sweetest relationships with people. It's, it's really, really remarkable. So I encourage you, if you're looking for a bird pet, you know, definitely adopt a Adopt a pigeon in need because they're really lovely. Adopt. A, we need to adopt cats and dogs, a pigeon in need. But then That's I'd have to take the mate. See, they're twosome. You have to have yeah, a Yeah, well, you know, it depends. Some pigeons that, you know, they're pigeon rescues, just like there are for dogs and cats. And some of the pigeons are already mated up. But some of them, you know, are rescued when they're young and they don't have a mate. Some of them tend to think that whoever, you know, adopts them is their mate and they'll coo for them. And that's that's really right, because some ducks, you know, they imprint the first person they see and mm -hmm. that's their mother. So that's why I'm saying animals, especially birds, birds, ducks, geese, they really are very, very, they're phenomenal. And yeah, they're, I agree. And with their babies, you know, they, they let you know if they fall in the grate. I remember in one place I was living, the babies did fall in, you know, the sewer or whatever it is there. And they let us know we had to, you know, get somebody to lift up the metal and get them out, but they wouldn't leave until, you know, swans are like that too. I think they mate for life. Yeah, they definitely do too. Yeah. You know, we just don't give their emotional lives enough credit, but they're, they're really interesting creatures. It's amazing. Well, I really appreciate you stopping by 
and it was very, very interesting. And again, the book is The Pocket Guide to Pigeon Watching and Getting to Know the Most Misunderstood Bird There Is. And it's something that if you walk around the city, you should have it in your bag. And if you drive around, you should have it in your car because you never know when it's going to be useful. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I hope it will be. And thanks so much for talking about pigeons with me. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. I want to thank my producer, Mark. I want to thank my audience for visiting. And don't forget to check out some of our other hosts and some of their shows. And remember to live life unleashed. Till next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.